The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. Hopefully I said that normally because for some reason I'm having a brain glitch lately when we start (laughs) and I'm like, how do I say the things? I think I left it in one of the times because I kept messing it up. Um, It is currently January 25th. 2024. Don't forget the year. Oh, right. 2024. (laughs) January 25th, 2024 right now. We just finished recording a Patreon episode about the three men who froze to death in their friend's backyard in Kansas City. They're watching the Chiefs game, and it's like the internet is in an uproar about it. We're assuming some people are going to be disappointed that it's on Patreon only, but it's really not enough for a whole episode. Um, And we also discussed in the Patreon how essentially it's not really a crime yet. Like It is a mystery, which I know we do cover, like missing people and things like that, so I don't know, maybe if more comes out and it is a crime, we'll move it over to here as well. But at the moment, it's just on Patreon because there's not a huge amount of information out there. Um, But if you do want to check it out, it is on Patreon. Yeah, essentially, we talked about it for 20 minutes and that's the whole story. So (laughs) not too much to talk about yet. But if you guys are following that one, we're definitely posting it on Instagram and keeping an eye on it for updates. So follow us there. Um, I do think our Patreon is a pretty fair price if you like our podcast, so you can always check us out and see if you want to contribute. It's essentially a dollar a week. Um, you get an extra episode a week plus ad-free main episodes. Um, I feel like that is a bargain. <laughs> you can't get much for a dollar these days. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's true. Mm. Um, our recording is lagging a little. If anybody has recommendations for a new software to use to record podcasts let us know right now we use riverside and it's been driving us crazy lately so also taking recommendations for that yeah we used to like we didn't really ever have any issues and then all of a sudden every episode lately it's been lagging glitching you know sorry you're this we can't connect to our servers or whatever so it's been very unreliable lately yeah i looked it up and i've seen other people saying the same thing like on and off so i don't know i just I can't be dealing with that. We can't be having this nonsense when we're trying to put out quality content. (laughs) Um, Anyways, so like I said, it is January 25th, 2024. The weather here has been so freaking cold. And I can never remember what I say, what podcast, but I know I've talked about how in the winter I have to cover my windows with plastic. Right now, since I'm in the process of probably moving and I've just been so busy that hasn't happened but also not only has that not happened my air conditioner is still in so basically my window is just open so I'll wake up in the morning and it'll be like 60 degrees in the apartment (laughs) when and we just run space heaters all the time which Peep loves because she loves to lay in front of them so you know I've been freezing been very cold been very sad and cold <laughs> it's a holiday here today and we're under an extreme heat advisory I was I mentioned it quickly in the other episode too but it, when I woke up like it was eight o'clock and it was 32 celsius which is like 100 fahrenheit it's going to be 110 today it's wild so yeah and then I, like it was cloudy so it wasn't as hot and now I can see outside the sun is out so I'll be glad to get out of the bedroom <laughs> where I'm recording at the moment because everyone in my house is home because it's a holiday. <laughs> Uh, of course. Mm. Um, and do you also, you need to give the people an update on the car situation? <laughs> well, there's not really. Well, there is kind of an update. I still don't have the car back. So we're now at about 10-ish days since it happened, maybe a little bit more. But I guess, you know, they only work Monday to Friday. So you have to cut out the weekends and then today is a holiday. <laughs> so it's going to take longer. But essentially uh. they, um, so they gave me a loan car, which was good, a free loan car, as they should essentially. But they have basically said they think that's a problem with the accelerator and I I don't come at me because I don't I'm not mechanical I don't know but they said basically something in the accelerator should be at five and it was at 4.8 so they were trying to figure out if it was like a tension thing in the accelerator so the last update we had was I think Wednesday today's Friday here 
And they said that they think they have fixed and identified the problem, but the car company head office want a report. So they've had to send all their findings, all their, you know, whatever they've done to the head office and they have to get head office approval to release the car. So I don't know. We'll wait and see. (laughs) I'm not really in any rush. Like I'd rather them just 100% do it right because I'm absolutely not putting up with this again. Um, And we've got the other car now to use, so that's fine. And I'd rather obviously all be safe and fixed. So I'll keep you all posted. (laughs) Did they say if it was like a known problem with the car? So the guy, we've been dealing with the head service guy at the dealership where we bought it from. And he said in his, he's been with the car company and I'm a bit like, I don't really want to blast the car company yet. We might hold off on that for ages, like the actual brand. But he said he's been with the brand for 10 years and he has never, ever, ever once seen this issue. Um, so I think that's what also caused a lot of the issues because he's never ever dealt with it before. And also the car is a 2024 model and because Australia is very slow and backwards in things, there are no other ones for him to even look at. Like he's never, ever, ever seen this car before. They didn't have a demo of this car yeah, at the dealership. That's how slow it is. Like not the car isn't slow, but the actual process of getting cars here is very slow. So I feel like they were just all confused and had to figure out how to deal with this new part or new issue that they'd never seen before. Um, Yeah. So, of course, it had to happen to me. (laughs) I know. It always works out that way. (laughs) I I sent you a funny, like it was a thing of Drake crying and saying, like, you're going to be a warrior. And we were laughing about it because we always said 2024 is going to be our year. And someone sent me a message saying, I feel like podcasts is just always the live the life. What's up? And I'm like, absolutely not. (laughs) I was literally just talking about this with my coworker today because he does catering. And he does listen to this podcast sometimes. So, hey, friend. Um, <laughs> and he, for his catering side job, he's been posting on social media more and doing stuff like that. And he was like, social media is like so much work when you're really trying to like put your stuff out there. And I was like, um, tell me about it. I, was like, I always <laughs> talk about how running just like the True Crime Society Instagram is so time consuming it sounds silly because you're like you're just posting instagram stories but it's also just like looking for things to post screenshotting the things finding the articles finding the pictures lining up the screenshots making the backgrounds like a a nice color posting the links and just like all that stuff and even saying it it sounds like it's not that much work but like the way my wrists and fingers will hurt from screenshotting things and then you're going through the messages you gotta check all the messages and just there's so much going on with just the instagram and then the podcast people who think podcasting is not a lot of work (laughs) like i thought it was way less work than it really is but it is a lot of work especially like when we split the work like (laughs) olivia does um the research and she writes up all the notes and the scripts and then i edit the episodes i could never do this on my own especially (laughs) while working full-time or even part-time it is so much more work than people think. I feel like some people do podcasts and they just get up and chat and that would be, but I still feel like you would have to have an outline of what you want to chat about. Like it's no matter what it is. Like I know people are going to be like, oh, they're whinging about podcasting. We're not. No, it's like just, I love it. but <laughs> It is a lot of work. Like it's essentially a part-time, well, it, is, it is a part-time job mm-hmm. um, on top of everything else. Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. And it also is just like exposing you to public opinion, which can be exhausting <laughs> of people co- talking about you and commenting like, oh, you just read a script like it's not that hard. It's like, OK, then you make a podcast and you do better, please. <laughs> like we. We were mentioned, I should have actually put this in the notes too, but we were mentioned in an, an actual media, media article this past week. It was about an unidentified woman that some that they're trying to identify and we posted about it on our Instagram and it went a bit crazy, I guess. And so we're in an article and I said to Stephanie, we should actually probably set up a true crime society Google alert. And you said, I'm too scared. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to. Even that, we literally didn't do anything. We posted, on, it's like a grid post. You could go look at it oh. of this woman that they were trying to identify and People who follow us thought that she looked similar to a missing Missing woman. woman. So I guess people called in some tips and somehow it got tracked back to us that we posted it. (laughs) And that's where these people came from. But the headline was like crime podcast, like (laughs) startles community or something or just like gets lots of calls to the police station. Or I'm like, I mean, it sounds like we're being talked about in a bad way, but like we didn't do anything bad. If anything, it was good because what if it was that person? Yeah. 
<laughs> fun times. <laughs> yeah, not to just like whip out on a tangent right away, but <laughs> it's funny because I was just talking about that today, how <laughs> it's just a lot more work than people realize. And I say that because like anyone who's thinking about starting a podcast, think about it like a few times because it's not easy not to <laughs> like pat ourselves on the back. But <laughs> and we always say to like 2023, I'm like, what year is it now? 2023 was a hard year, I think, for a lot of podcasters. So mm-hmm. maybe some have dropped off. I don't know. But it, it is. It's tough. It's not like just like you get up and you're like, yep, okay, this is all we're doing today. No thought, no effort. It's a lot. It's fun. It's good. And we love it, but it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. Um, anybody who is wondering about a house update or anything, I'm still very much like an idiot. Don't know what I'm doing. Overwhelmed. And we just started painting. That's as far as we've gotten is painting. So not much yet going on, but <laughs> I keep trying to be like, let me post some pictures. And then I'm like, no way. This place is a mess it's a disaster it's like in shambles but we did paint the wood paneling which was a fiasco because it's real wood so it's like absorbing all the primer and staining everything but we got it under control so that's as far as we've gotten gonna do more work this weekend so maybe i'll post about it on instagram if you want to follow me maybe i'll be too scared to post about it on instagram (laughs) you never know no, no. See how you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, I'll see how I feel. I've been like a scared little baby lately. So, um, okay. So, let's get into it for the people who are like, shut up already. <laughs> um, so we're going to talk about Kaylee Mondati. We had a few people message in wanting us to talk about this case because I think they're. Well, I don't think I get I watched the 48 hours episode. I think it just came out recently. I streamed it on Paramount Plus. If anyone wants to watch it and has that, you could watch it on there. I think I read it came out on January 20th. So literally just this past week. Uh, and it was recommended. One person that recommended it was Haley W, right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure other people messaged it too. We've been trying to save names, but that, that's all we got right now. If you're another person, <laughs> thank you. Let we us appreciate know. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, So, yeah, it's another case where it is a sad story like the rest of them where it's domestic violence related and it just seems like every nobody wanted to believe what this girl went through. There should be a trigger warning because there is domestic assault, domestic violence, sexual abuse. Um, So if that is going to be triggering for you, just make sure that you listen carefully. Yeah, it's not overly graphic or anything, but it is infuriating. Yeah. The trial is underway for a man accused of killing a Trinity University cheerleader back in 2017. Mark Howerton is facing a murder charge in the death of 19-year-old Kaylee Mandani. Eyewitness News reporter Jaleesa Irizarry was in the courtroom for the first day of testimony. A jury of seven men and five women heard from a number of law enforcement officers today as they began to paint a picture of what Howerton told them happened that October 2017 night. In dash cam and body camera video, Howerton claims the two had sex in a gas station parking lot on the way back from Malaluna, a music festival. Howerton told authorities after that man, daddy fell asleep and began to snore. When the snoring stopped, he said he checked her pulse and couldn't find one. That's when he said he drove to the closest hospital in Luling. Investigators reported that man, daddy's injuries were consistent with a brutal sexual assault and her final cause of death was reported as blunt force trauma. In body camera video, Howerton admitted to a Guadalupe County deputy to being physical with Mandaddy in the past, even during the last few minutes, he says she was conscious. You know, we were having sex, I'm sure, but it wasn't like killing. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. And afterwards... Was she like that every time? Yes, and afterwards, you know, after we had sex, like, she um, still talked to me for five, six minutes afterwards before we were like, all right, let's go, and then that's when she was like, I'm not feeling too good, but then she just passed out. Now, Howerton is out on bond. With that murder charge alone, if found guilty, he faces anywhere between 5 to 99 years in prison. Okay, so let's get into it. So Kaylee Mondati, she was 19 years old when she was murdered in 2017. Mark Howerton, he is a man that Kaylee, that Kaylee had been seeing for around a month he was convicted of aggravated assault causing bodily injury in relation to her death. So as some background into Kaylee, 
She was born Kaylee Anita Mandati, and she was born on August 26, 1998 in Webster, Texas. She attended Clear Creek Independent School District and graduated in 2016 from Clear Creek High School in League City, Texas. Kaylee enjoyed participating in the filmmaking club at school, and she also volunteered for an organization called Faithful Friends Animal Assisted Therapy Ministry. Peep. What are you doing? Oh. After she graduated high school, she attended Trinity University in San Antonio. She was on the cheerleading team there and was also part of the Chi Beta Epsilon sorority. Kaylee's family say that she had blossomed into a beautiful young woman inside and out. They have also said that her life was joyful, full of love, beauty, compassion, and intelligence. And I know it doesn't matter, but she is a very pretty, gorgeous gal. She's quite distinctive looking too. Like she would definitely stand out, you know, like, oh, would I know her if I'd seen her? She, Yeah, stunning, beautiful girl. Seems like she had the world at her feet at that time. Did a good job with her makeup too, something yeah. I always take note of. <laughs> um. So early in 2017, Kaylee met Mark Howerton. She was dating another man at the time named Jet Burkham. And it seems like her and Jet broke up around August 2017. And then early October, Kaylee started dating Mark. And just like to be aware of throughout the story, it seems like she was kind of talking to both of them still. Because when she was like dating Mark, she was still talking to Jet and how she missed Jet. Um So it seems like that's kind of where some of this animosity between her and Mark came from. And she was still very young. Like I feel like 19 is an age where you do do that. You know, you might be seeing someone else but interested in someone else. Like it's all very young and naive at that age. So, yeah, I I also agree that is probably the situation that was going on. Yeah, and we we say further in the story somewhere, it was like she really liked Jet but he – didn't really want like a serious relationship so then she was just kind of single even though she still really really liked him and then that's how she kind of started seeing mark there was another man in kaylee's life mark howerton he was 22 years old and had been a star high school baseball player i've been a pretty good hitter i just keep my weight back and keep your eye on the ball and whack it Mark lived in Houston, but was often on Trinity's campus visiting friends. That's where he met Kaylee. I think that they're both very beautiful people, and I think that that was the primary attraction. John Hunter is Howerton's lawyer. I think that there were problems with her relationship with Jet, and Mark was offering an alternative to that. Both Jet and Mark knew Kaylee was seeing the other man, and neither friends say like the competition. Jet would later tell police that Kaylee had told him about Mark's violent tendencies. In September 2017, Mark allegedly trashed Kaylee's dorm room. She also told Jet that Mark slammed her head into a passenger side window. Kaylee's sorority sister, Dominique, would tell police that Mark was initially really nice to Kaylee, and she confirmed that he did trash her dorm room and that he also threatened to throw Kaylee off a balcony. Dominique told police that she believed Mark used and dealt steroids because Roid rage was something that he used as an excuse for trashing her room. She also told police that Kaylee said she was really scared of Mark. Then another sorority sister named Ariana, she told police that she'd seen bruises on Kaylee's legs. When Ariana asked Kaylee what had happened, Kaylee told her that Mark had inflicted the bruises, and Ariana told police about the incident where Kaylee's head was slammed into the car window. I'll put in a clip because... In the 48 Hours episode, they had body cam footage of, I guess, when he was trashing her dorm room, other people heard all the ruckus in the dorm building and called police. Police showed up and knocked on the door and were like, what are you doing here? And he was like, oh, you know, like my girlfriend's at a party and I'm just here waiting for her. And they're like, you're just waiting for her even though she's not here. He was like, yeah. And then they asked to come in the room and he was like giving them a hard time. It turns out that he like threw a bunch of her clothes off of the balcony into the trees. He broke the glass door that goes to the balcony, trashed the room, broke her laptop. So that's not a normal reaction no. to anything. When I arrived at the location, a male subject was exiting the room. So you're in the room 
just waiting on her while she's at a party? Exactly. Okay. You mind if I take a look in the room? Man, no. This Howerton resisted this Officer Lewis's request well, to see inside. Well, I'd like you to step out here with my partner right now. When Officer Lewis did go into Kaylee's room, he found the glass door to the balcony was cracked, and Kaylee's clothes were scattered in the trees. Friends say Howerton later smashed Kaylee's laptop on the street. The university barred him from campus. Ariana, the sorority sister, she told police about another incident as well where Mark took Kaylee's phone. Ariana went with her to go back and get it, and she said that Mark was very aggressive. He took a gun out of the glove box, waved it around, and threatened to shoot some of Jet's friends. So maybe he stole the phone because she was talking to Jet, and that's like how Jet's name comes into it. But again, more unstable behavior from this guy, it seems. So Kaylee's roommate, Morgan, she confirmed that Kaylee's room had been trashed by Mark during the roid rage incident. So that's three people confirming this now. It seems she, like everyone was aware of his violent tendencies. Yeah. He's not very low-key about it. Um, she also told police that Mark had aggressively grabbed Kaylee on her arm and pushed her against a brick wall during an argument. Morgan tried to FaceTime Kaylee on October 29th, 2017, and Mark answered the phone from inside a car said that Morgan, uh, told Morgan that Kaylee couldn't talk and hung up on her. Is that the day of? That's the day this all happened, yep. Yeah. So on that day, Mark and Kaylee were attending the Mala Luna Festival. The couple had been partying for two days at that point, according to Mark. He said that they'd both taken Molly, and Mark has said that the couple got into an argument and they left the festival to discuss their disagreement in the car. CBS says the argument they got into was about Kaylee's feelings for Jet, her ex. Mark said this is when the police were talking to him. After the fact, he said, well, to them, I was pretty much saying, you need to get over this dude. He ain't worth your time. Your friends are fake as blank. I was just telling her all this shit. I was trying to get it through her head. Mark's version of events is that Kaylee agreed to go to Houston with him that night he said that she agreed to drop out of college to be with him and that she said and that she said he was her soulmate. Kaylee didn't have any belongings with her except for leggings, panties, and shoes, which is like no shirts. Well, I'm assuming she did have a shirt, but that's what I thought that was weird too when the article said that. Like and I know that she was brought in but she was brought into the hospital naked from the waist. Up That's what I was down. like. I'm wondering if you were just saying that because that was like what was in the car. Yeah. So I don't know. Like that is what the article said, which I thought was weird because I actually specified those things. So yeah. Um, Mark said that he told Kaylee he was going to buy her everything she needed. He then said they started to drive to Houston, but stopped at a Valero gas station just outside San Antonio. And he said that they had makeup sex in the car after their argument. He told police the sex was consensual, but it was rough, including hair pulling, light choking, and scratching. He told police that Kaylee already had some bruises on her neck at the time. It could be from former sex. He did say in the body cam footage, he was going on. He was like, no, she bruises easily. She trips and falls all the time. Like, she's always covered in bruises. Just stuff like that. Um, the reason Jet came up at the music festival was because he was there. Jet was also there, and Kaylee was talking to him, and obviously that pissed Mark off. People who were at the music festival said they saw Kaylee and Mark arguing there, and that he kind of like forcefully grabbed her and was like making her leave. So, and then I guess that's where they continued to argue in the car. Mark said that after they had sex, Kaylee said she didn't feel well and that she didn't even put her clothes back on. He said that she passed out in the passenger seat and began to snore. So, he assumed she was sleeping and continued driving to Houston. Just before they got to Luling, Texas, he said he noticed that Kaylee had stopped breathing. He attempted to give her CPR before taking her to the hospital. And I thought this was interesting. They were showing court clips in the episode. And his defense attorney was basically trying to say how he's dumb to discredit something. He was like, he tried to perform CPR on her while he was still driving. I'm like, okay, so that's not CPR. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I guess he maybe tried to pump a chest or something. I don't know. Yeah, but like <laughs> CPR is hard enough to do when you're not driving. Um, so Kaylee arrived at Luling Hospital and was unresponsive. She was nude from the waist down. She was covered in bruises and she was bleeding from her vagina. 
After Keeley was admitted, authorities called her mother and stepfather. Her stepfather, Lawrence Baitland, spoke of finding out about her injuries, recalling it. He said, your daughter's been involved in some incident, and she has been life-flighted to Kyle, Texas. Mark was photographed after he got to the hospital, and his knuckles appeared to be red. He also had scratches on his forearms. And there's pictures of this that you could see that we'll put in the blog and stuff. So I feel like they're inferring by saying he had red knuckles that he's been punching something. Um, They look like like scraped up. Yeah, it looks, it does look like damaged. It doesn't just look like, oh, maybe he knocked it. Has dry skin. (laughs) Yeah, it looks very aggravated. It looks like if you scraped your knuckles on something, like they're red. Kaylee's friend Taylor told CBS about how she realized something had happened to Haley. They'd been friends since ninth grade, and they had an ongoing Snapchat streak. So if you don't use Snapchat, you have to snap each other every day within like 24 hours or something, or you break the streak. So they had a streak going that they seemed to be dedicated to. Um, So she said every single day, she was much more of a morning person. So I would get mine first thing in the morning. I didn't get a Snapchat at eight in the morning like I usually do. That's actually how I knew something was really wrong. And as I'm working in the library, it's in the back of my head like I haven't heard from her. On October 30th, tests showed that Kaylee had no brain activity and her brain damage appeared to be too extensive for her to recover from. Her mother, Allison, spoke about seeing her daughter in the hospital room. She said, I saw my daughter's body smashed. Lawrence, her father, said, I could see that she was on a ventilator and my heart stopped and I knew that was bad. The following day, October 31st, Kaylee was taken off life support and was declared dead. Kaylee had previously requested that her organs be donated to help others. As she was taken to surgery for that procedure, her parents said goodbye. Her mom said, it was very emotional, but of course, we didn't want to let her go, but that is what it had to be. Police started looking into Kaylee and Mark's relationship at that point. They spoke to Mark's friend, Michael Goodwin, who said that Mark was not the type to want a girlfriend. He also said that he heard from several people that Mark was abusive towards Kaylee. Kaylee's parents have spoken about her feelings for Jet. Um, her mom said, Kaylee at the time was very much in love with the only serious boyfriend she ever had. His name was Jet Brickham. What she told me was, I don't know that he wants a serious relationship, and she did. So Mark at this point got an attorney named John Hunter, and he had some things to say about Kaylee and Mark's relationship. Um, One thing he said was, I think they're both very beautiful people, and I think that was the primary attraction. I think that there were problems with her relationship with Jet, and Mark was offering an alternative to that. And I'll say, watching the episode, and I know like he's a defense attorney, but some of the shit he says, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you are so rude to this poor girl who is dead and a victim. Again, I get it's their job, but it makes me so mad. And I'll get into some of the things as we go. An autopsy was conducted on Kaylee on November 3rd, 2017. The medical examiner found bruising on her face, ear, and mouth. Mark's explanation for these was the rough sex, but the medical examiner suggested it was due to blunt force. Kaylee's labia was swollen and there were scratches and abrasions surrounding her vagina. Kaylee also had a hematoma on her brain. The medical examiner confirmed that her cause of death was blunt force trauma to the head. There were multiple blunt force injuries to Kaylee's head, face, and mouth, and MDMA was also found in her system, which they had admitted to taking at the music festival. The only area of her body without injury was her back and the back of her legs, and the manner of her death was ruled a homicide. In December 2017, police interviewed Mark's friend Wyatt. Wyatt confirmed that he had purchased steroids from Mark. Mark also contacted Wyatt at one point after Kaylee died and said that he had researched what could cause a subdermal hematoma, and he suggested syphilis or extreme alcoholism could be the cause. So basically trying to like write off her injuries as her having an uncured STD or untreated STD. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So police also interviewed Mark's friend Landon. Landon told them that he had bought steroids from Mark. So a lot of people are coming forward to kind of support the roid rage steroid theory and that he also knew Mark was selling steroids to other people. Landon told police that Mark said he wanted to kill himself after he trashed Kaylee's dorm room and he also admitted that he was on steroids at the time that he trashed it. 
Landon saw Kaylee and Mark at the festival that they were at and said they were both, quote, drugged out. Mark told Landon that he'd actually lied to police and he had actually choked and slapped Kaylee during sex. Mark also told Landon that the police hadn't taken his burner phone when they were at the hospital in Lonely, Texas, because he'd been able to hide it in a plant. I think if you have a burner phone, you're just sketchy. Yeah, why would you need one? Obviously, he's probably using it to sell his steroids or whatever he was doing or to get drugs, but yeah, very sketchy. Mm-hmm. On February 26, 2018, Mark was arrested and charged with murder and charged with murder and aggravated sexual assault. He was released on Thursday, March the 1st on $225,000 bail. At the time, Kaylee's mother, Allison, thanked police. She said, The family of Kaylee thanks the Texas Rangers for their diligent work in bringing appropriate criminal charges against her alleged killer. We thank her honour Beth Smith of Hayes County, Texas, for her integrity and support during this unbelievably difficult process. We remain utterly devastated by the loss of Kaylee. We ask people of faith to pray for her family, friends, and for justice in this case. So Mark went to trial first for Kaylee's death in December 2019. He pled not guilty. Many people just assumed, you know, it was going to be an open and shut case, but it was really anything but. His attorney, John Hunter, claimed that there were mistakes made in the investigation and that the bruising that Kaylee had was not from John, but was actually from hospital staff as they did tried to save her life using CPR and other various life-saving measures. Jet, Kaylee's ex, who we mentioned previously, took the stand. John's attorney questioned Jet's account of events that he claimed to see at the music festival. Jet did confirm that what he initially told police was different than testimony that he gave to a grand jury and then different to the testimony that he was currently giving. The attorney also brought up Jet's unrelated criminal record and when questioned about it, he began to plead the fifth. I have read he pled the fifth like 50 times or something like that. Yeah, I saw the clip and he did it. But that's why it was annoying too because all this stuff was totally irrelevant to this. They were just trying to get him upset to make him seem not believable, in which I guess it worked in a sense. And I guess also to kind of put some type of thoughts into the jury's mind about the credibility and the integrity of him as well, like by bringing up this other unrelated criminal record. And what he told police that they're saying – isn't true like that's not what he's saying now he said that when kaylee when the police were first investigating he told them that at the music festival he saw mark forcefully like shove kaylee into the car where testifying he says he didn't really see him shove her into the car but he did see her forcefully like grab her and like kind of drag her along with his arm around her to leave the music festival but he didn't see them get into the car so it's so, like yeah. not that big of a difference. He said he lied about it because he was worried about Kaylee and wanted the police to take it seriously. So it seems like one of the other turning points in the trial was the appearance of Dr. William Anderson, who was a forensic pathologist and former medical examiner. Dr. Anderson argued that a large amount of Kaylee's bruising was caused by the resuscitation effort at the pro- at the hospital and also by the organ donation process, which seems kind of weird to me. Jury deliberations began after more than a week of testimony. The jurors deliberated for more than two days, and in the end, they still couldn't agree on a verdict, and the trial ended in a mistrial. This is what the judge, Raymond Angelini, read after the trial. He said, after careful deliberation and discussion, unfortunately, we cannot come to unanimous decision. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I am declaring a mistrial. So the prosecutors, Alexander Crenshaw and David Lunan, spoke about Dr. Anderson's testimony. Alexandra said, I was not prepared for Dr. Anderson to testify to what he testified to. They said they'd been stunned by his claims that Kaylee had a skull fracture and that her bruising was caused in part by the organ donation process. Peter Van Sant from CBS asked them, so do you find the notion that organ harvesting caused these bruises to be absurd? And the prosecutor, David Lunan, said absurd. Absurd. In this instance, it's absurd. I definitely said this with another case, but I used to work at a law firm. So I know when expert witnesses, and I used to work at doctor's offices, so sometimes our doctors would be called as expert witnesses, and they get paid for that. So like the defense is essentially hiring this doctor to use his knowledge on their behalf. So I've always felt like expert witnesses can be biased, especially if they're being paid by the defense to support a theory, where it's like, sure, could organ donation cause bruising to the body? Yeah. Does that really relate to this, to this poor girl who was clearly a victim of domestic violence? No. And I think it's shitty because the doctor doesn't have to do it. He's like being hired. He could be like, eh, no thanks. So it's like he clearly didn't give a shit about this poor girl. 
So it would have been such a trying process for her family as well to go through this whole trial and to have no outcome essentially. Yeah. So before his second trial was to resume, his attorney filed a writ of habeas corpus seeking to dismiss the indictment. In an August 2021 interview with Express News, the attorney accused assistant district attorneys trying the case of prosecutorial overreach, where they stated a witness who they knew had lied in two police reports and in prior sworn testimony before a grand jury. So that's Jet. Yeah. John also stated in the writ that trying his client again would be double jeopardy. A three-judge panel of the Fourth Court of Appeals in San Antonio denied the appeal in June 2022. So before the next trial was scheduled, Kaylee's parents decided to investigate further for themselves. They wanted to find out more information about what had actually happened in the car that night. Her stepfather, Lawrence, said, I spent hours and hours studying autopsy photos and I really fixated on one of the autopsy photos that showed an impact on Kaylee's head, you know, right in front of her ear. And there's actually photos of it, which I'll put on the blog. There's a photo, it's kind of like a small bruised dot above her right ear. Other photos, almost. Yeah. Other photos show deep bruising above her left ear. Allison said, we believe that all of the injuries, the blows landed on her. This fatal one occurred when he reached from his driver's seat, hit her in the left ear and drove her head into the window and onto the lock button of the car. So it's kind of hard to explain it, but I'll put the pictures on the blog. But the car had one of those pop-up locks, which I Mm -hmm. guess it was like an older car, you know, the locks that you could actually push down from the inside, but it's on top of the window like but below yeah. the window but on top of the door if that makes sense. It was a the car was like a black Mercedes like S class or something, but yeah, it had one of those pop-up locks that if he pushed her in her head from the force of being pushed, kind of like the whiplash, if she hit her head over there, that little sticking up point would go yeah. directly into her head. And because it would be hard plastic. So yeah, it would it's not something that would be flexible and would move when her head hit it. Her head would have kind of absorbed the force of that. Yeah. And I know you guys can't see the picture, but the picture does seem like it could exactly be that. It looks exactly the right shape and size for it to be like I don't even know what how what else you would have caused that unless it's such you a- yeah. A small pinpoint bruise, like the size of a pencil eraser. Yeah. But then they're saying the other side of her head has more of like the bigger bruising. And it seems like that, the other side would be where he her. punched her. Yeah. And that bruise is from being punched. So Lawrence even went as far as to build a 3D model of Kaylee's head. There are photos of it. I'll put it on the blog. He said, the first thing you can do is you create a solid out of a 3D mesh and then you project an image onto it. So that sounds really confusing. It's kind of what some of what I do at work is basically he's like a 3d CAD cam program and took a human head shape basically put a picture of her face on it and then lined up that picture where her ear and that bruise would be to kind of create a mannequin example of what this would have looked like and how it fit on a head because otherwise it is hard to picture it. Like, you know, like, oh, that could be any part of the head. It could be anything. But when he kind of transfixes it onto the 3D model, you can really picture how it could have happened. And her dad, I think, is he's like an engineer or something similar to that. So that's why, like, he can do all this stuff. Um, so Mark did sell that car where this incident happened in 2018. Kaylee's parents eventually tracked down the new owners and purchased it back. Lawrence said, I reached out to some friends on social media who were in an automotive forum and they were able to look up the VIN number of the car for me. When they first contacted the new owner of the car, the person was hesitant to sell, but after he heard the story, he agreed. Lawrence said that driving the car home was torturous but necessary for their investigation. He said, we had to have the vehicle to show how she was assaulted. So Alison and Lawrence then commissioned a reenactment video of what they believe happened in the car. Using evidence photos, they focused on every little detail, including what Mark and Kaylee were wearing and what items were in the back seat. They even hired actors similar in size to and weight to Mark and Kaylee. It's like there's a photo which I'll put on the blog and it's it, it's showing exactly how that bruise on her head could have happened. Mark's reaching over, pushing her head into the door and therefore into the lock. It's um, very in, a very interesting visual. I love her parents' dedication to yeah. getting justice for her. And just because they said they hired actors that were similar in size and weight to them, it reminded me. When this incident happened, Mark was ripped, like steroids ripped, very muscular. When you see video footage of him at trial and stuff all these years later, he is less ripped. Yes. 
So the second trial date was eventually set for May 23rd, 2023. While waiting for the trial, Mark was obviously out. He was making posts on social media like, come at me legally, I'll beat you. Another one said, wow, 75% of people think that I'm guilty. That just means 75% of people in the world can suck my dick. So he's a lovely guy, charming. Wow, 75% of people think I'm guilty. That just means 75% of people in the world are going to have to suck. By this point, Mark had another attorney as well as John Hunter. That was a female attorney named Hallie Pease. She spoke about his posts and said he was using social media as an outlet to relieve some of that tension, whatever. When the trial was due to start, the judge allowed the video reenactment of the car to be shown in court. So that was the one that Kaylee's parents commissioned with the actors. But if this did happen, the judge said that her parents would have been witnesses and that meant they would have been unable to sit in court in the trial. So they decided to withdraw the video. I can't even imagine how hard that would have been, all that work, all that effort, and to show, like this would have made it so clear what actually could have happened, but they decided to withdraw it so that they could be in court during the process. I don't even understand, like, why would that make them witnesses? I don't, like... Yeah, I don't know either. It's very... I guess maybe they would have to be interviewed then I don't know. yeah like maybe they they could be forced to like testify then yeah. Yeah. but i don't know so during the first trial jurors had only one charge to consider which was felony murder this time around lawyers added more charges including aggravated assault and criminally negligent homicide during this trial the prosecution added on a witness who was an expert in domestic violence this expert told the jury that mark was a textbook abuser who isolated and manipulated kaylee and ultimately began enraged and lost control Dr. William Anderson, who we mentioned earlier, the one who kind of said that her injuries were caused by CPR and organ donation, was due to appear again, but the prosecution were ready this time. Alessandra Credshaw said they realized that we were going to be they realized that we were going to be more than prepared to shoot down all those claims that he had made in the first trial. John Hunter, the attorney, rebutted by saying, I don't need to have a fight about the skull fracture. And the defense did end up resting without any testimony from Dr. Anderson. Her stepfather, Lawrence, spoke about that moment. He said it was a shock and you could hear a gasp in the courtroom. So I guess they'd all been going in there expecting to have this fight, you know, again with Dr. Anderson's testimony, but it didn't happen, which was thankful, I think. Mm-hmm. When the jury did return to the courtroom, the first verdict was that Mark was not guilty of murder. His attorney, John Hunter, said the two most beautiful words in the English language, not guilty. Her mother, Alison, said, though, my heart sank when we, held, when we heard not guilty on the murder. Mark was convicted of aggravated assault causing serious bodily injury. One of the prosecutors, David Lunan, said everyone was hugging each other and expressing their relief that Mark Howerton was going to prison. Allison said, I turned to my left and eight sheriff officers had assembled to take him, eight. So that was their way of saying we're here for you and that was a nice moment to see that. Mark was sentenced to the maximum, 20 years in prison, and he will be eligible for parole in 2033, which seems very soon to me, but I guess that's what it is. Um, I did find an interesting stat from a 2017 report from the Centre for Disease Control. They said that nearly half female homicides are committed by a victim's past or current romantic partner. Nearly a third of the cases studied, the killing was preceded by an argument and 12% of those deaths were associated with jealousy. So I feel like that absolutely links to Mm -hmm. Kaylee's Kaylee's case, Mark being jealous of Jet. um, And he seems just like a very jealous person all around. Well, it's typical... We've talked about this in the last few episodes, domestic abusers wanting to be able to control and when they can't control stuff like this happens and and it pisses me off because like, how are you going to convict him of aggravated assault causing serious bodily injury? And then she died from those injuries, but no, it's, it's, he didn't murder her. He just caused the injuries that killed her. And I know in the second trial, they also tried to talk more about how she did a lot of Molly or MDMA and that was in her system and maybe that's what caused the brain issue but it's like no it's this abusive piece of shit defended hello and I can't even imagine too like the MDMA plus his steroids like he just had a lot of things going on his aggression it sounds like it was absolutely extreme yeah he has a very punchable face um <laughs> Like, so I don't even know what it is, but you just see him and you're like, "Mm, fitting. He just looks like a jerk. Smug. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. One thing I wrote down some notes when I was watching the, how I mentioned stuff that 
the defense attorney was saying annoyed me because it was he was just like discrediting everything that happened to this girl. For example, the little bruise that they thought could have been from the car lock. He was trying to be like, "Mm, I mean, it could have been. It could have been from something else. It could have been an old bruise. An alien could have came down and given her that bruise. It's like, shut the fuck up. This girl's dead. And you're going to be like, oh, an alien could have done it. So rude. They also kept trying to say, like, if Mark killed her, why would he bring her to the hospital? Why would he try to perform CPR? And then I guess police asked him if they could search his car while they were still at the hospital. And he was like, yeah, sure. And there was a gun and weed in his car. And the defense tried to be like, well, you know, if he was like only concerned about himself and like really killed Kaylee, why would he just let the police search his car when he had these illegal things in it instead of telling them to get a warrant? I don't think that Mark purposefully killed Kaylee. Like he wasn't like, I'm going to kill her. I think he was beating her up and she happened to die. So of course he is like going to bring her to the hospital and freaking out. I don't think he necessarily wanted to kill her or wanted her dead, but he still did it. I just feel like he he seems so entitled and so like he never gave any thought to the consequences of his actions. He just did it until one day it was too late and then he panicked and took her to the hospital. Yeah, and there's already so many things that her friends had seen and even Jet knew about like all these different situations where he was pushing her against walls, pushing her head into the window, trashing her room. And that's just what people saw. I'm sure there was many more instances that people didn't see. I did read an article that Mark, during the the second trial, did speak about how he had some remorse. He said basically that he was broken. He'd turned to sex, alcohol, and drugs. He said, I didn't want her life to end. I tried to save her. I wish I could undo it all. But, you know, that's just a token gesture essentially. Yeah. I feel like her family have been so gracious as well, considering all they've been through, all they've actually had to do to kind of get justice for Kaylee. After he was sentenced to the 20 years, her mother, Alison, said it may not have been a perfect verdict, but it was definitely a good sentence for this crime. And for that, we are very grateful. So I don't know. That's probably much more of a gracious response than I would have had. Yeah. Um, Another thing, I know we talked about it earlier on, but they also pointed out how when the police were interviewing him, they specifically asked if there was a time where he like pushed her head into the passenger side window and he admitted to it doing that. And he said, yeah, actually just like last week, but he, he said like, oh, she hit me. And then I pushed her head into the passenger side window. So it's like he had done that before in the past. And maybe this time her head hit that little plastic lock that was sticking up mm-hmm. right in the right spot. So apparently Mark and his legal team do intend to appeal. Like this all happened, well, I guess, six, seven or eight months ago now, but I don't, there hasn't been an appeal yet. But John Hunter said, we continue to maintain that the decision to submit a lesser included offence was in error and we believe the evidence is legally insufficient to support that verdict. Mr. Howerton intends to appeal. We are confident that he will be vindicated on appeal. Um, so I guess <laughs> Just be happy that you didn't get charged with murder and that you could be out in nine years nine years now one thing I did read which was a really sad statement from one of Kaylee's friends um, I think they read it during the sentencing it says your life was like a beacon of light and your absence is a void that can never be filled I whisper prayers in the night to hear your voice one more time sad horrible this this case is just the perfect example of people not wanting to believe the victim and victim blaming and this like internalized misogyny of how this guy was so clearly abusive. So many people are saying he's abusive. And then you have like these doctors and the defense attorneys, which again, I guess their job, but there's a lot of people out there who were like, oh, well, you know, she did MDMA. So that's probably what happened. Or, you know, she was always falling and getting bruised. And like, it wasn't this guy who has a record of being abusive. Kind of. I know it's not really the same, but like similarities to the Nikki Adamando case where she told all these Mm -hmm. people about the abuse that she was suffering at the hands of her partner and then the prosecutor in the trial tried to discredit it all and basically said that she had brought it all on herself. It's just... Yeah, she had legit medical records of years of abuse in the legal system and other people, family members of his, people talking about the case. They were all just like, are you sure about that? Are you sure he burnt you with a spoon and you didn't just burn yourself with the curling iron? And even I like I feel like I'm talking about this because it's really fresh in my mind because I watched it last night. But in American Nightmare, it's about a lady who was kidnapped and basically all the authorities didn't believe her. Um, 
and they even say things like, so are you sure that you've told us the story you want to tell? You can you can have a chance to change your story. Like just sometimes. Like leading her. And she was, she was also sexually abused um, during her kidnapping and police are like, no, well, we, we don't want to give you a rape kit. First of all, you need to give us a statement. Her lawyer's like, time is of the essence with a rape kit. The evidence eventually disappears, but they wouldn't give her a rape kit until she gave them a statement because they didn't believe her. It's just like so depressing. Yeah. The way society treats women. Yeah. And it's like this guy could literally just be like, yeah, it was me. I I was beating her up and that's probably what she died from. And they'd still be like, but she was yeah. also an organ donor and CPR. So that is what it's from. Yeah. <sighs> just tough being a gal. Yeah. So, I mean, I think anyone like the silver lining I could think of, even if he does get out in only a few years i think that anyone who hears this story would know deep down that he killed her whether it was on purpose or not he was still abusing her and she died and i think most people will know that from the story and i hope it follows him around and haunts him for the rest of his life and that he can never live a normal happy life when he gets out of prison so like kind of along those lines the prosecutor David Lunan has said that 20 years is appropriate but it's not enough to protect society from Mark who is likely to do more harm which I absolutely agree yeah he, especially now that he not that he got away with it but like he did also kind of get away with it in a sense I'm sure that was a big ego boost for him yeah um but that is it right that's Anything it else? But that is it for Kaylee's story. Like I mentioned, the 48 Hours episode, you could stream it on Paramount+. Plus. I think it was maybe on something else. I don't remember. But it was good. It was worth the watch. They had a lot of clips um, from people who were involved with the case, um, from the trial and all that. So I recommend watching it. Also, too, I know that some people can't access 48 hours. Like sometimes I find it hard to find here. They do have a podcast of all of their episodes. So it's mm. on there now. It says Postmortem for the Love of Kaylee Mundaddy. So I can, you can go on, just have a look for the 48 hours podcast. It's on there if you want to listen to it in that format, too. Oh, that's cool. I never knew that. Everything will be on the blog. If you want to see like the pictures of the 3D rendering and stuff that we talked about, they'll be on the blog. Try to remember to post them on Instagram as well. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Society. You can follow our personal accounts. Mine is StephSum underscore and Olivia's is TCS Olivia. If you want to see what we're up to or learn more about us and all the usual stuff, share the podcast with your friends or on Instagram. It's a big help to us to help get more listeners. Um, If you guys share it on Instagram stories, we usually repost it. So that's always fun. And you can also check us out on Patreon. I know I mentioned it at the start. Um, If you just search True Crime Society, it's also usually linked in our episode description. If you want to check that out, we do weekly bonus episodes that are usually on like the smaller topics that wouldn't make for a full episode, like the men who froze out in the yard, if you want to hear more things like that. And we also do all of these episodes without any ads. So that is also a plus. Um, But I think that's really it. You guys know what to do. Leave us nice reviews, nice comments, nice messages. And that's it. Thank you guys for listening and stay safe. Peace out. See ya.